This is The Law School Show. Discovering the person behind the resume. Bringing you their stories and their tips on how to succeed in your legal career. Catch it all here, right now, on The Law School Show. Hey everyone, uh, this will be part one of my interview with uh, Melissa Kluger, the editor and publisher of Precedent Magazine. Hope you enjoy. Hello everyone, welcome to The Law School Show. I'm here with uh, Melissa Kluger, right? Yeah, and uh, she is the publisher and editor of Precedent. They do Precedent JD, Precedent, they also do Precedent A-List, so it's super cool, and I'm going to interview her and ask her about the intersection between law and journalism. So, hello, Melissa. How are you? Hello. I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. No problem. All right, so the first few quick questions that I got, um, just to let everyone know a little bit about you, is what is the current song that keeps getting stuck in your head? It's kind of a ridiculous answer. I listen to a podcast with my daughter, who's seven, okay. and it's called Story Pirates. <laughs> on Story Pirates, adults turn children's stories into songs okay. and theater of different sorts, but like very high quality, but they're taking ridiculous children's stories to do it. Mm -hmm. So they made an incredible song about a story about Fred the Carrot. There's a carrot who lives on Saturn who wants to be eaten, but no one comes to Saturn, so he can't make his dream come true. And carrot. I have a song about Fred the Carrot stuck in my head. That's that's good. Would not have guessed that one. <laughs> that was good. But I recommend Story Pirates. It's a pretty cool podcast. <laughs> awesome. And next one. What is the strangest thing you've ever eaten? I can't think of a the strangest thing I've ever eaten, but I recently had a strange dining experience. Okay. Uh, there's a new kind of fancy food court in Toronto called the Assembly Hall. And oh, I've heard about it's it. It's very neat. While you're in Toronto, you should check it out. Okay. And uh, within it, there's a small sushi restaurant that is Canada's first stand-up 30-minute sushi experience. Okay. So you, apparently this is very common in Japan, but not something that people in Canada do. Okay. So you, you walk into this tiny space. Mm -hmm. There's room for eight people. And they serve you sushi one piece at a time that you eat with your hands. Right. Um, and you have to eat it right away. They get very, very full. And then at the end, when the 30 minutes are over, they ring the bell and you go back out into the food court. But the, the sushi itself is very high end. Right. And it's the most expensive meal you'll eat in the food court. Uh -huh. So the food was sushi that I'd had mostly had before, but it uh, was in a, in a setup that I had not experienced before. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a foodie's dream. Yeah, yeah. If, if it's a foodie who likes raw fish. Yeah, so true, true, foodie. true. <laughs> okay, cool. What is your happiest memory about law school? Okay, I have a tie between two things. All right. Happiest memory. Hit me with it. Again, not your average memories. Okay, well, one is, I guess, as you as you know, I started the student newspaper when I was at law school at U of T, mm -hmm. Ultraviaries, and so I have been, always was very proud of that and very passionate about it, so one of my memories that's very happy at law school is um, putting together the early issues. We, we didn't have a space to do it, right. we didn't have an, an office for a thing that we had just invented, um, and we didn't, we didn't have, so we didn't have a place to do it, and we also didn't have the co computer or anything, like, I didn't have my own laptop computer at the time, because it was mm. a long time ago, <laughs> uh, so we had to use a computer lab in the basement of the library, and sort of like sneak in and pretend like we were doing like law work, but right. we were really making a newspaper in the basement of the law school, so uh, I just have very fond memories of that time of of, of putting that together. 
Nice. So that's memory one. Cool. The other fond memory of law school is the U of T used to have, I think they've renovated since, these sort of cascading, I don't know if they were cascading, some gardens, indoor gardens with okay. some sad plants in the gardens <laughs> um, in the main main area where students hung out at the law school. And I always thought that the gardens needed something more, so I bought a garden gnome and <laughs> I put the garden gnome in the garden and I think occasionally moved it around and eventually it got taken out. But for a long time, the garden gnome was sort of like hiding around That's in awesome. the garden. And it, it brought me a lot of joy during law school to have just disrupted the garden just that little bit with the garden gnome. Yeah, probably like if it was like nowadays when things can go like like people will post about it right away like right? that thing would have gone have viral. Dream Instagram. Would have been like that yeah. garden gnome. <laughs> it moved again, guys. It, oh yeah. Yeah, that, it would have it would have been trending for sure. That yeah. Garden gnome, but we got to keep it totally secret. That's awesome. Just the people who knew about it really enjoyed it. Cool. So <laughs> that was just a little bit to get a little insight into you a little bit, which is a lot of fun. And so now I just I'm gonna delve into the questions that are kind of about precedent and journalism and law and all that kind of stuff. So I guess the first thing, very broad question, is uh, like, what was your journey going like going from law school to being a lawyer to now being the editor and publisher of precedent? So I guess I'm someone who went to law school but wasn't sure that I wanted to be mm. a lawyer. I loved school and I was choosing between some various options about being in school. So I was choosing between doing a master's degree or law degree or journalism degree and uh, I got good advice from my dad who said um, why don't you you like being around people law school will be social a PhD in political theory will be very isolating um, after you do that you could stay in school and continue on in academia if you wanted um, and worst case you become a lawyer um, so, <laughs> uh, but that there were, he was basically saying there were lots of opportunities and it was a good place to learn yeah. and, and he was right. So I, I did end up going to law school and, uh, I confirmed at law school that I really liked journalism. Uh, yeah, I feel like my answer could be very long, so I'm, uh, I'll try and abridge it. So while I was at law school, I, I started the student paper right. and that really confirmed for me that that's the thing that I really love to do. Okay. I liked law school, like mm -hmm. the actual learning about law, but I loved making a newspaper. I felt like the school needed more community, we had mm -hmm. great things that we were doing, accomplishments, things people were winning, prizes, moots, competitions, right. people were also funny, there was no place <laughs> for being funny at the law school. There were a few places for like law shows and stuff, but there wasn't just a place to have humor day to day. Mm -hmm. And the school was also very political at the time. Tuition was on the rise and the, the politics were very heated. So I also thought there needed to be a place to sort of share that. So right. I got very passionate about how could there not be a newspaper? We have all these things, all these reasons that we need to be sharing. Uh, and it looks like I'm the one who's going to have to do it. So I assembled an amazing team of people and everybody brought really different skills to it, the law students. Mm -hmm. And we put together this paper that's still running almost... 20 years later. Oh, wow. That's kind of awesome. Incredible. So was it all just the law students then? It was just run by yeah. the law students. Okay, exactly. Sweet. And uh, then after law school, I, I, I guess during, during law school in my second year, I got a summer job at mm -hmm. Cappelsbrock and Blackwell. Mm -hmm. I thought that I wanted that job because I wanted to do human rights internship and they offered 
the opportunity to work for them for two months in the summer, and then they would fund me to do a human rights internship, which I thought was a pretty good gig. Um, in the end, I think I learned an equal amount from being at Castles and being at the internship, and I went back to Castles to uh, article. I got to have two months seconded to Eddie Greenspan's office doing criminal law, mm. which is very cool. And then after that, I became, I, I went to work for a media lawyer when I got called to the bar. So I did a couple of years doing libel and freedom of expression work uh, for a lawyer who just exclusively did that, representing filmmakers and uh, newspapers and, and speech writers, all different kinds oh, of things. That cool. was, it, Sounds it, like my dream. But <laughs> I will say that it was cool. I thought the clients were cool and the work was important and it definitely aligned with my interests. But I still found that litigation, which is what mm. it ultimately was, was really sad. Like it was very reactive. It was always after someone had done oh, yeah. something. And I realized that I wanted to be the proactive. I wanted to be the journalist causing the trouble more than I wanted <laughs> to be the lawyer helping them out of trouble. Right. Okay. So I ended up uh, deciding to leave that job. Oh, and while I was in that job, I saw all the magazines that were coming across my desk as a lawyer. And I felt like none of the magazines spoke to me. They, they mm. were about older lawyers I'd already heard about who were, um, much more senior, and I and they were giving tips that I either felt were a little bit too earnest or were too practice focused because mm -hmm. I had a lot of resources for how to be a lawyer in terms of how to go to court or how to prepare a motion, right. but I had no resources on how to do the role outside of the legal work, so mm -hmm. I didn't know what to wear, I didn't know how to eat in a fancy restaurant. When right. I applied for law jobs, I had never been up an elevator. It's a different such a culture. Yeah. yeah. And so that was all the stuff that I really wanted help with, and that's what I thought was missing. So as I saw all those magazines, I thought, well, these are these are fine for the audience, but there's no magazine here for me that I want to read that will really help me. So I decided to quit my job and start the magazine I wished I'd had. Oh, and, there you go. And I did document review work, which is a nice uh, option for lawyers while they're trying to figure out what they want to do. Okay. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I, I did that for a, probably almost two years while I schemed and planned on how I was going to make a magazine. Sweet. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. And so I guess like you hinted at it earlier, but like uh, when you were going into thinking about doing law school that you were like weren't sure exactly what you want to do. And so like were you always interested in both like uh, journalism and law or was this like did one like kind of like come before the other? It sounded like journalism did, but. I don't. I'm not someone who's anyone ever said growing up, oh, she should be a lawyer. Mm. No one ever said Same that with me. about me. So people were like, you want to, you want to do that? Oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I don't think law was ever uh, ever my passion or something mm. that I'd set out long yeah, ago sure. to, to do. When I had been an undergrad at Queens, I had taken a creative writing class that I really loved, mm. and I found that there was no place for the writers to share their writing. There was no outlet for creative writing on the campus. Mm. And so when I was there, I started a creative writing magazine that's still running, and I'm not going to count how many years that's, that's been. That's awesome. Called Ultra, <laughs> Ultraviolet, which is actually funny to me that they both have similar names. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I think that's what it is. I think it's a more of a sense of filling a gap, mm. helping, helping build community, helping to fill a need that that is that is missing that I am really driven by more than the particular subject matter. I okay, think, cool. I mean, now I'm obviously quite passionate about law, 
from an, from a journalism perspective. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm glad to be doing it on that topic, but it was more because precedent also came because there was a need, something that was right. missing. Yeah, a paper, a something yeah. was missing, the magazine, the creative writing magazine, something was missing. So I, I, I like giving voices to other people. And I love the, the project of putting together a publication, like the, all the different pieces that mm. have to go into it to make it something. And then you get to give everyone a gift of the thing you made. Yeah. And everyone can see the work you did. I just think the whole process is amazing. So I guess mm. the overarching thing is I like making things that people can hold. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Um, and so I guess, like, that kind of hints to, like, the idea that was behind precedent was that you saw that there was a need uh, k- kind of, like, there of, of, of for people. And so what, I guess, beyond that, what made you think that it could be successful? Or if you thought that at, at the beginning at all? No, I definitely knew or wanted it to be successful and was mm-hmm. not going to set, get it started unless I had a plan that, mm-hmm. that it could make money enough to make it viable. Mm-hmm. The times were really different when I started the magazine. Mm-hmm. So it was, I was working on it in 2005, 2006, thinking about it. And at that time when the economy was booming, right. the magazine didn't launch until just before the recession kicked in. Our first cover is, uh, says on it, recession proof question mark. And it says, how lawyers are planning for a possible market downturn. Mm-hmm. By the time it came out, it was like already basically a market crash yeah. <laughs> um, or soon after. So I always laugh at that. But at the time, the economy was good. Mm. Lawyers were in high demand. So if you graduated from a Canadian law school, you didn't Job. just have the options in Canada. People were being recruited heavily, not just to New York, but to Dubai and London. Oh, wow. okay. Because it, there were so many deals going on in the world. Yeah, true. There weren't enough people to do them, so lost lawyers were being poached, especially young lawyers who were willing to up and go mm. around the world. And so the early issues of precedent were funded ent- almost entirely by advertisers who were legal recruiters who were trying to convince young lawyers that it was time for them to move somewhere else, and that okay, they sense. they didn't have anywhere else to advertise. So I had created a vehicle for them to be right in front of lawyers who were exactly who they were trying to reach: young lawyers who wanted something and exciting to to do with their career so that was also a good time and the I guess the another reason uh, was that print magazines were still a thing yeah it wasn't a crazy <laughs> thing to say you were gonna start a print magazine Definitely. Uh, they were popular they were still growing there were positive signs about them I I I had a blog before I started precedent lawnstyle.ca where I wrote for about a year just sort of getting a sense of my audience but I always that was very cutting edge to have that at the time, a blog. Yeah. Um, like, and, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this? that made, that led to sort of the edgy nature of, whoa, precedence doing something totally mm. different. They have a blog. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I always did it with the intention that there would be a print magazine. The blog was just like an extra bonus right. thing that I could do, but I didn't, I had never used any, anything online really before. Okay. Yeah. So all odds were in my favor, basically. Mm, I would say another thing that was in my favor was that I was a lawyer and people took it really seriously. When I went to people, whether it was a potential advertiser or business advisor, and I said, I'm quitting my job as a lawyer and starting a magazine, (laughs) they paid attention in a way that I don't think they would have if I was just, I did an undergraduate degree and now I'm starting a magazine. People thought... They gave me a level of credibility that I, I, 
I'm I'm so grateful for. Mm. Who is this crazy? No, or not who is this crazy person, <laughs> but who is this person who's willing to give up what most people perceive as a pretty sweet job as a mm -hmm. lawyer to do something that is even at that time considerably more risky and mm. definitely not as profitable. Who is this? Who is this person? And she must be so passionate to give all that up, and right. she must be smart because she went to law school. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of buy-in at the beginning mm -hmm. just because I went to law school. Right. My next question is kind of about how um, what we at the law school at the University of Ottawa have mostly heard of was President JD, which is the more student-focused one. And so you're saying that's a, a newer uh, platform uh, for President. So do you want to explain like the reasoning like behind sure, wanting sure. to do that? I'm glad to hear that President JD is popular on campus. It is. It really is. I'm not just saying that. Yeah. Well, we're making it for you, so I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> Uh, I guess when President started, it had a very young feel about it. Mm -hmm. We were really focused on lawyers in their first 10 years of practice. And since we were focusing on that younger demographic of lawyers, we also included law students. So every year we would do a special supplement for law students in the magazine. And we wrote about law school and lawyer life in, on one website. And so it was all together. And I guess a few things happened. And I guess the main thing is, the lawyers got older. Mm -hmm. So the lawyers who were in their first 10 years when we started precedent, uh, one of them I'm actually going to see tonight, she was sort of my role model in law when I was a lawyer and she was just a few years out when I started the magazine. Mm -hmm. But she, who was that guide and a young lawyer at the time I started the magazine, has now just been named the managing partner of her law firm. Okay. And so she still reads the magazine mm -hmm. and the magazine's still for her. So we've really expanded how, how far we go in terms of who we're speaking to. Right. And now we get feedback from lawyers of all ages. My favorite is when the more senior lawyers say, I know the magazine's not for me, but I still really like reading it. <laughs> I say, no, no, it is for you, but I'm glad that you're feeling that it's a little bit cooler than yeah. you are. So now we've really, we've really expanded it to be a Toronto lawyers magazine. Mm. We'll still stick to uh, trying to find, seek out and write about younger lawyers, but we're, we're not thinking of it as such a young magazine. Mm -hmm. And that's why the student stuff started to become confusing in it. Well, are you a student magazine or are you a lawyer magazine? Right. And the student content on the website started getting confusing because students have annual milestones. There's always sort of the same events that happen for students, OCIs and exams and different things that happen at different stages in the year. Whereas lawyers don't have that kind of schedule, right. so they really need very different content. So uh, for many reasons, it made sense to make a website and a magazine specifically for students and to continue growing precedent as a magazine for Toronto lawyers. Okay, awesome. Sweet. Um, and I guess this next question also kind of hints to the previous one, but who do you think is the main target for precedent's content? So it seems like it's a Toronto lawyers one for the most part too, um, but I don't know if there's any other people that you are, I guess, targeting for the content? I want all Toronto lawyers to read the magazine, mm -hmm. I'd say, and so I think of them all. We're always trying to find a balance in the magazine of do we have enough different practice areas right. and different sizes of firms and in-house counsel and, and non-profit. We're, we're always trying to speak to uh, a wide range because ultimately we send the magazine to every lawyer in Toronto which is 15,000 lawyers wow, okay. and that's a big I number. I know that, that's yeah. cool. We also have a small subgroup of people who like to read the mag or who read our website who really like the show Suits because we <laughs> once wrote a story called The Suits on Suits uh -huh. where we interviewed the tailor 
who sewed and oh, awesome. designed okay. and made, I guess, Harvey Specter's suits, actually all the suits on suits. Mm -hmm. uh, and he came and did an interview at our office and our, I think it was our intern, wrote a story about it. And I guess there's not that many stories online about the suits on suits. Okay. And so it continues to be one of our most popular stories online. That's hilarious. And I don't think that's the lawyers looking up what no. the <laughs> wear. So we have this whole extra set of readers who really are just obsessed with suits. That's awesome. <laughs> that's fun. That makes sense. Like suits, yeah. Or Harvey Specter, like you know, that guy's one of the best dressed people I've ever seen on yeah, television. Yeah, we know his tailor. <laughs> yeah, that's sweet. Um. Oh yeah, my next question is like because like President seems to be doing like quite a few things. So because there's like the regular President, there's President JD, and then there's also President A list, which is kind of like a networking kind of platform too. And so like, is the goal to like continue creating kind of like lawyer related media? output kind of things like my question i wrote is it to create a lawyer related media empire which might sound a little i don't know like, it's already a media empire yeah like, yeah like that's what i know but yeah i think we keep building things mm -hmm. as we see a need which i guess is right exactly that i listen and learn and think about what's missing and what's fun about running my own business yeah. is that i can just decide that that's a thing we need and then we go ahead and make that happen so the a-list was exactly that. It came mm. out of a realization that law firms wanted to share their news and share job opportunities. They didn't really have a good place to do it that was affordable and effective. I could go on about, I could give you my A-list sales pitch, but I will refrain. <laughs> uh, but, but it did come out of seeing another need. So I don't think I have anything in mind at the moment. Right. I also always try and resolve to just do the things I'm already doing, but do them better. Mm -hmm. uh, but then other things always come along and get in the way of that. So we always have ideas, but right now, I'm trying to do things better than right now. for sure but to then, build the empire yes of course yeah <laughs> yeah and if there's a need I, I really like like even though like it's like like the trend like that like you're saying like I think that's like a really valuable thing to like see the need and fill that need and like it's makes it, it just makes sense but I feel like a lot of people when they're just starting something new they don't think about that so I think that was yeah thanks I I I feel like you're in the best position to succeed if you're building something because you've really heard, mm -hmm. you've been listening, you exactly. really know the market. Yeah. I guess now because I'm in this market all the time, I'm, I'm in a good position to hear what, what's next, what we might need to do. Hope you enjoyed part one of the interview. Make sure to go to thelawschoolshow.com and click on part two to hear the rest of my interview with Melissa Kluger. You've just been listening to The Law School Show. You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or at our website at thelawschoolshow.com. If you liked what you heard, like us again on Facebook and get the latest updates from The Law School Show. Career advancing advice, right to your earbuds.